want to start or should I start? Um, I can start. Hey there, lifers. You're listening to another episode of the In Real Life podcast exclusive edition. I'm Emily. And I'm Kimzilla. And this week we're tacking, tack, tacking? Tackling. tackling. How about tackling? We're, we're going to tack it. We're gonna... <laughs> it's like to a the t- wall. attack, but like with an apostrophe. Oh. Like it's short for attack. We're attacking another subject. We're tacking another we're subject. We're going to tack it. Yeah. So we're tacking another subject and um this one's this one's a little bit topical. It's a little topical. It's a, a little... little heavy. It's a lot heavy actually. Um and and I would like to promise you like, you know, we we promise some happier, fluffier segments in the future, which I think is like a thing that I would like to give you out there as like a security blanket but i also want to say we can add a unicorn chaser we can add a this. unicorn chaser but i also want to say like to a degree like what's the point in talking if we're not going to talk about real stuff you yeah. know like the whole point of anybody talking to each other at all i think is like to talk about stuff that matters and i think small talk is i think silly. what we our conversation about tonight really does resonate about just having those human connections and talking about things and talking yeah. about real things mm-hmm. and talking about what matters in the world and how people connect and and the reasons why people don't connect. Yeah. And and maybe how much of a difference it can make in the one the life of one person mm. to reach out and connect with someone about something real even if it's only for a moment. Yeah. Just developing as many of those real connections as possible mm. so that's what we're seeking to do here this evening yeah so i think this story starts um when oh. i texted you this weekend yeah what day was that was that on friday that was um i guess it was on I friday think it was on friday morning friday um, morning i was in vermont mm-hmm. uh, for a friend's wedding really like yeah. sweet happy occasion and i was um i had just gotten up and was getting sorry. ready to no it's good so- it's okay i don't mean to set it up that way sorry <laughs> everything was great and you just ruined my mood no it's it was um i was getting ready to go on a hike and like climb this big beautiful mountain in vermont and i had like packed a little picnic and yeah. i was gonna sit at the top and eat it and um you texted me and i texted you what popped in my news feed as soon as i woke up i was sitting at my little breakfast table mm-hmm. and i got the news that anthony bourdain had died not only had anthony bourdain died which i thought cannot be true right um but that he committed suicide and it just I instantly just started crying. Like, I'm going to start crying now because yeah. I, I don't know how a celebrity is making me feel like someone, like, personal passed away. Like, it's... Well, and I think part of it is it's not like he was an actor or somebody. He was somebody that really, like, infused his personality into everything he did. Yeah. You know, he, like, wrote these books and then, like, hosted these shows that were just, like, him right. going around like what we're talking connecting about with connecting people. with people in a really yeah. real it was way well beyond just the food and and using food as a way to connect with mm. people as like this equalizer like yes. you sit down over yes. a meal with someone who's like completely different than you and it brings you together and like the sharing of a meal that that's such like a powerful connector for people coming from completely different places and i think that is like such a valuable message to put out into the world and watching and it's such a personal experience to have that he shared with so many people 
So there is something about his loss that hit and a lot harder for me too than some any any other like you know celebrity or, or even, other person. Even I Robin don't know Williams, personally. where it was like the 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 irony of someone who was a comic and so so funny can be can can be such a sad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Anthony Bourdain's career path, going from just being. Uh, a line cook to being a celebrity chef to doing a travel show to doing kind of a cultural show about other countries I really I was hoping to see what he would become like he could have become um, a, a, a politician perhaps yeah he could have been in in grassroots been able to talk to anybody i mean he was really heavily involved in the whole weinstein thing and completely backing his girlfriend up as you know a victim of yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. i mean it was just i just couldn't wait to see what he was going to do next because he just kept elevating um the way that he talked to people um and i think there was something too that just seemed so incongruous with his suicide that somebody you said it really well I think that somebody that loved life that much and like embraced life so much yeah like could just like snuff their their own out so quickly um it didn't make any sense to any of us it didn't make any sense and I and I everything you know from here on is probably going to be a bit of conjecture but you know, you just, you want to fill in those blanks and you're just, and I'm sure all of his loved ones are trying to do the same. Like mm-hmm. what, what was missing, you know, when, when everybody sees a person that is traveling all the time, eating all these wonderful meals, meeting all these incredible people, they, he had a wonderful relationship, a best friend that was, you know, on this episode with, in the same town, in the same hotel, waiting for him at dinner. Like what, like Eric repair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like what happens in that moment to make you think that you aren't loved? Yeah. Or that it's not that whatever it is, it's not going to get better. It's not enough. If you're loved, it's not enough to overcome whatever despair you're feeling. I don't know. I can't imagine. I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate to, to feel like I can't imagine what that would feel like to have that moment where I just, the despair is so overwhelming, but so many people do have that moment i mean you said the the statistics on suicide are just staggering 30,000 people commit suicide in the US each year alone and 750,000 people attempt suicide so that's a lot of people who are sharing this feeling of of um like desperation and and isolation and I don't know if I've told you this before but I had actually um my sort of like my long-term partner um college and and after uh had a job for a long time sort of categorizing suicide attempts he worked for a psychology research group and he had to categorize them um based on severity uh of of attempt and sort of like look at the attempt yeah. and classify it uh, as like you know one being like the least serious like you probably didn't really want to die and five being the most serious like they did and he said it was this really odd experience mm-hmm. to try and apply something so clinical to something so personal 
And it was particularly, it was a study sort of examining younger people who had attempted suicide. And he, he was saying it's so odd that, like, we wouldn't classify, like, you know, lying down in the middle of the road as a particularly serious suicide attempt. But the girl who tried that was only, like, seven years old. And so for her, it was incredibly serious. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I just, I hadn't thought about that in a while. But it, it had a really profound, like, sifting through that data every day yeah. had a really profound effect on him and his mental health mm. and, and really took a pretty significant toll on him. I, and I think as all of these um, details were coming out with the Bourdain story, mm-hmm. that hearing that he hung himself was even worse. Yeah. I mean, it was like, that is a serious, that's, you're, you're doing it. You know, yeah. there's no, there's no just, you know, having a, you know, a relapse, you know, we all you know, thought maybe this is maybe this is his heroin sure. background. Right. You know, coming Drug back, relapse. maybe this is a relapse. But, but hanging yourself is that's a permanent that's a permanent thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I even got to the point of like denial of this story that there's no way that a person like this would do this. That like, oh, maybe maybe because uh, of his calling out Weinstein and Weinstein having all of these um, connections with. The Inquirer and Black Box and all of these creepy connections that I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. someone tried to kill him. And then I'm like, this is ridiculous that I'm going down this rabbit hole. But it was because <laughs> you can't believe that someone could do something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, have I been think completely he, obsessed with this story. Yeah. You remember, I mean, everyone did that with like Kurt Cobain too. Oh. Everyone was just did absolutely set on the fact that I still think that he was murdered. Have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an opinion on it one way or I the know. other. I know. You know, I watched I too many ridiculous documentaries. I, I mean, don't worry. Ways, I, 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 I'm not completely one of those people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then I started thinking about, you know, I was reading all of these eulogies about Bourdain. And then I started to kind of, in my mind, like putting the picture together mm-hmm. that this man, he traveled 300 days out of the year. And as much as, do you like traveling? I love traveling. I love traveling. Have you ever on the last day of your vacation, like, really wanted to come home? Yeah. But if you're traveling 300 days out of the year, like, there is really no home. Right. You know? And you're visiting all of these people, and you're making connections that are maybe a day old, two days old. But you're not really making long-time connections. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I thought with him was I kept watching every single media reel that came out and he would talk about his story about heroin addiction and he would talk about um you know his his um his fights with other celebrity chefs and he was like really smooth at kind of talking about these things and I was like wow this guy is actually really really media trained like mm-hmm. he's a really good storyteller yeah. and he's really well media trained um and he's lonely on on the road this entire time and maybe it's possible that like this guy's battery is just depleted like he's giving everybody that feels the love from him his energy but how much he's not how much he's not saving any for himself and it and when you're hearing like each different video segment of him telling these stories you realize how similar they all are like he's He's just really good at sounding really happy and comfortable. And that thing you're talking about is a really real thing, compassion fatigue. Um, 
there are, I mean, that's, I, I did social work for a very brief period of time after college. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of, you know, friends and connections who are still social workers or who did the program that I did. Um, the AmeriCorps program I did right after college at the same time I did. And we did a lot of talking about compassion fatigue and how how it seems ironic that someone who's oh, in this no, I totally get role yeah. is the one that like maybe needs the most help who's feeling the most emotionally depleted and drained but it's a really common thing um with people who are in those sort of like helping service uh counseling caring when you're caregiver a type yeah. positions that they oh, they so really true. they give everything if you're not careful you give everything you have to your clients and you don't have anything any like emotional or or energy reserves for yourself oh that's so true yeah i find that even you know in some of my circles of friends that i have that i have friends that are dependent on sharing their life updates with me and then but i go home and i realized like they didn't ask a single question about me we've talked about this before it's really sad like you know that i mean they're just so they they need someone mm-hmm. to talk to, yeah. But they're not necessarily registering that maybe I need to be able to share something with you as well, right? Exactly. You know, and yeah. that and that happens. I think you're right. I mean, it, in all of these compassionate um, professions, you know, there there was just a podcast segment about um, veterinarian assistants. And just how often, like, they're dealing with all of these traumas on this, like, PTSD, Mm -hmm. but they don't have anybody to really help them, you know, along with, with you know, giving them more battery. Mm -hmm. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) We can take a breath here for a second. This is a lot. Is everybody like, okay? Out everyone there? all right? You guys hanging in there? Yeah, we promise. We'll have a we'll have a unicorn chaser at the end of this. Yeah. Um so I was talking to my sister uh this morning on the way to work. It was a really nice conversation. Yeah. Like it's an hour drive for me. And uh it was the fastest hour ever because we just, you know, she talked about, you know, a weekend getaway with uh her and my mom. And um, she was talking about her kids a little bit. And, you know, they're struggling with some of the things that now kids these days go through and just how difficult it is being a 14-year-old. I can't even imagine what bullying must be like when you have the power of changing someone's complete uh, social life in a in a post. I I just have no idea. Yeah, I am honestly so grateful that I'm not a teenager right now yeah um you know I mean there are so many ways in which we've made progress in terms of like Mm -hmm. yeah it's probably easier than ever to be a gay teenager to be a trans teenager and like in in a lot of ways like teens coming to terms with their sexuality this is a totally different episode (laughs) um is is a much easier thing to deal with but at the same time my god like there are so many other things that I just I can't imagine I feel like I had it so much easier than so many of these kids Right. Yeah. Socially, I think they're mm-hmm. much more evolved, but it's the quickness of ways. of bullying and the quickness of shaming somebody mm-hmm. and just it, you can just obliterate someone right. and be so mean and it hits so many more people right. than it did when someone just says something, you know, as a slur in a hallway. Well, and I think, too, that like when you're, 
you know, when you're emotions are running as high as they are when you're a teenager and you're you know you're mm. everything is so dire and so desperate mm. and you just you your temper goes from like zero to a hundred so fast yeah that if somebody says or does something you don't like um in the absence of social media you would have time to cool down before you confront that person or even if you don't you would have to like basically look at their face when you're saying this stuff to them like there's like a you know what I mean there's like a lag (laughs) there's a delay yeah and now with all this social media right at our fingertips the instant you feel like you know injured or angry or upset or betrayed you can post the most horrible thing in a second without having that lag that like time to think about what you're doing oh my gosh and so I think that there's and because you're not saying it to somebody's face, <laughs> there's that that element of like compassion and empathy that you get when you can see how your words are affecting someone that's really just missing. When I was a little Scary. kid, I used to, um, when my parents used to fight, um, I used to go down to this like little like bridge river mm-hmm. kind of thing and I would write all these like really angry things and I must have like seen this in like some after school special or something but I would make it into like a little boat or something and I would send it like down the river right so I it would go down the river that. and I would like yeah. pick it up at a different point mm-hmm. and see if I could change my mindset from the point that I would drop it off to the point that I would pick it up wow Kim, but that's it was, really evolved that's incredibly it's evolved, but wise. it's like dramatic you oh, know so like, it was I like love me. drama <laughs> I love drama that's great and like, <laughs> but what I, a beautiful like theatrical representation so of theatrical. like trying to trying to let to something go things. and process yeah, yeah I love that yeah I want to do that that's great oh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean when I was a little kid I, you know I, I um my mom, my mom got remarried when I was about, I would say, like fourteen years old, mm-hmm. and um, it was, it was like one of these like wonderful magical things where my mom married a veterinarian, mm-hmm. and I felt like it was like this gift. Like I was so into animals, yeah. and like within this marriage came like a step brother and a stepsister. So I instantly got a little sister to like bully, Uh (laughs) which is important. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got like a cockatoo. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And you've told me the stories about the little birds too, that your stepdad was really into like rehabilitating injured wild animals. Yes. Yes. Every single animal that like he would have to feed every two hours, he would give to me and then I would have to take care of them. But there was like this one, um, this one little pack flock flock yeah, of flock. chickadees yeah. that I raised, Aww. and um, they would kind of come back to visit me. So I would go to like the bus stop, mm-hmm. and like this little bird would just like fly on my shoulder, and I was like, oh, I'm really <laughs> cool right now. Of course, like all the other kids are like, Ew, there's like a gross thing on your shoulder, you know. But <laughs> that's so dumb. That's the coolest thing I ever. Know. We I felt like friends. I was like Cinderella. I would have thought you were basically yeah. You like and Snow I would have been friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, it's like she's magic and birds flock to her. <laughs> yeah, I really felt like I had this really, really lucky, lucky life that we walked into, and that is really fortunate because a lot of times your parents remarry and you do not like that person at all no no my stepbrother never liked us but my stepsister was super awesome and she was really involved in her life um and and my stepdad was a very giving person I mean he was he was a really nice nice man 
Um, but it, but over the years, and my mom was only married for eight years. Um, but what I do, what I do remember is that um, he he did have depression. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely it would manifest more in like these anger temper tantrums like he didn't know how to handle his emotions yeah. and um and it would first start out like my mom would tell us like he, he liked to work on cars so my mom would tell us to like go out oh, why don't you go out to the garage and like you know hang out with him and spend time with him where like that's where you learn all your curse words because he's like cursing as right. he's like working on this oh, thing as you're like passing tools to him um but a few years afterwards like he started to like get angrier about things so you know he'd be working on cars and things wouldn't go right and he would you know throw things and smash things and it was beyond just like the typical like angry dad having like a moment like my he bought my sister uh i think it was a 1969 buick special it was like this beautiful white car convertible red interior white car had these like beautiful little circular like portal windows on the side it was like a hot ride that's nice and he was trying to this was like the biggest sign that this guy is like starting to like really fall apart and um he was working on the engine one day and something didn't work out so he took a sledgehammer and sledgehammered the entire car (gasps) and then ended up in shame getting it towed including all of my sister's possessions like she was not there and she came home and her car was gone and that was really weird and then that was when my mom and my stepdad would fight all the time all the time it was about money it was about his moods it was about um us kind of he was in a household with three women and him and i feel like and he kind of always had this like what was me kind of mm-hmm. mentality. And it didn't, we didn't talk about it being like depression. We were almost like, buck up, dude. Like yeah. the three of us were strong-willed women. Yeah. And he had to, he, he had very thin skin and he, and I guess I can blame ourselves for it. We gave him a hose every year for every Father's Day. I mean, that would make me crazy too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a garden hose? Yeah. Every year. Really? The same gift. He do, would get. do hoses wear out that fast? I don't know, but it wasn't very thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can remember a time in my life when I definitely gave my dad a tie for every yeah. like, dad-related it our, holiday. It was our tie. Sorry, Dad. Today's my dad's birthday, actually. Happy birthday, Happy Dad. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> this is the worst segue into I a happy know. birthday. We're just going to cut that out, actually. Uh, well, anyway... Um, Fast forwarding to the story mm-hmm. was in high school. I think I was a, it was like right before the summer break between my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. And my sister was home from college and I was at school the whole day, come home from school. And like, there's like this weird buzz around the neighborhood. Like there's a lot of people hanging around our house and around our neighborhood. And I walk over to the house and my mom is there and she's like, I have to tell you something. You know, your your stepfather tried to kill himself today. And it just blew my mind that this happened. I mean, even with his like rages, it yeah. just didn't seem like a guy that rages would do that. Um, 
But what had happened was that my sister was home, and um, he was working in the garage, and we she went to leave, and she went to go say goodbye to him in the garage, and the garage door was locked. And um, she looked in the garage, and he was kind of like rocking inside the garage, and then she realized that there was a pool of blood. And she called my mom, and then she, my mom called 911, and she tried to get in, and she realized that he had slit his wrists, and he wasn't coming to the door. Um, and then, of course, it's like a local community kind of town. Mm-hmm. So, like, you call 911, and, like, all of your neighbors are basically, like, the the first aid department. Right. So every single neighbor is, like, coming over, which is, like, such a shame. It was such a – it felt yeah. so shameful. Mm-hmm. It felt – we were so embarrassed over it. The embarrassment overrode, like, feeling sorry for him. I just remember just feeling, like – Mortified. This mortified yeah, and yeah. horrified. Because it's such a personal thing. It's, such it's a like personal a psychological thing. it's not like an accident like he had like he got injured. It's right. like it's like basically like your psychological And people had dirty set up like laundry chairs. Oh. You know, like oh. they were all and this is like the time that everybody's just and I think they were trying to be nice, but it just was mortifying right. to like you a just don't want you know, a sixteen year old. Right. And um you know, and then he was taken away by the time I was there, and my mom was just so mad that he had done this while my sister was home. Mm-hmm. And that was up until my sister and I were talking about this today because, you know, everybody talks about, you know, the the blame and, like, you know, everybody gets so angry. Like, why would you do this to, like, loved ones and family? And I'll tell you, like... When it happens to you, you do feel like they did something to you intentionally. And I'm and I'm trying to evolve my mindset to understanding that he was in this moment of desperation. Um, But I I just it's it's I'm not going to be able to let go of that 100 percent. Like I'm I'm not actually I mean, I think that's a why did he do that when my sister was home? Right. Like was it oh then the call for help kind of scenario like okay but he locked yeah, but everything then, up exactly He's so a, it's a you know it's a cry for it, it could be a cry for help and it could be you know the um you wanting to be found and stopped yeah. and and all of that because he knew she would be home mm. but then like then if if that like yeah there is that question of like okay but how traumatic is that going to be for her um I think that's a really fair reaction. I mean, I think you can be empathetic and compassionate and sad for that person while still being a person close to them, be angry with them and be upset for yourself too. Mm. And and to be uh there I, I would imagine there's like a sense of betrayal in feeling like you are so close to someone and to have them decide that there's no other option and that they're so despairing that they have to end it all because there's sort of that like okay then what am I like I'm am I are we not that important to you do we not matter enough um you really feel like you have no one like we're here for you we're like resources that's not enough um 
And I could have. And if you have a bad relationship, if you're if you're going through the last throes of a of a marriage, right? You know, there's there's anger there. Yeah. You know, there's absolutely there's there's other emotions that you know you're you're putting out there uh, on purpose. I think. Yeah. You know, and it's soul crushing depression. I mean, going back to the Bourdain thing. I mean, again, like this is just conjecture, but it sounds like this may have been. In in relation to him having like this unbelievably passionate relationship with his with his girlfriend and her mm-hmm. potentially not being faithful to him, but then also going back to this relationship with my with with my stepfather, my mother having a really bad ending to the relationship, and like how much a relationship like how much that can impact your emotions, yeah. a breakup love lost feeling like your heart is being torn out of you sure and it's it can be a temporary thing and it but it can feel like it's going to be the end of the world like the end of the world absolutely and that makes sense too i mean uh romantic relationships are emotional things they're like emotional emotional things that are like allowed i mean you can have the president of a country lose his mind over somebody and like completely ruin his entire career over love yeah because because love is an emotional thing right and emotions are not you can't wrangle it it doesn't fit into it doesn't fit into the confines of like how you behave in society right once you put love into it and and the other emotions around love Mm -hmm. which include hate and anger and jealousy Mm -hmm. and you know feeling feeling um despair i mean just the absolute despair at having that love taken away because Mm -hmm. it feels like everything yeah 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 i I, yeah i mean i think everything you're saying is it's uh all of that right it's not um it's such a complicated issue suicide this thing that we're talking about is is so complicated and there's so many facets to it that like you really can't say you have to only be like compassionate and empathetic and sad for this person and not angry for yourself um i think you can be both you can be everything you can be all of these things you can be confused and not understand you can also at the same time understand in some ways mm-hmm. you can you can feel for them and feel sad for them and want to help them and um and right yeah i feel a tremendous amount of empathy for them while still being very angry with them and frustrated and and process where that anger is coming from yeah. but also try to find the empathy to know what it must have taken mm-hmm. for a person in that depth of desperation right. to do something like that right and um and that's where I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I actually Googled his name today just to see, like, what, what you know, ever after that point, you know, we had no contact. He came over at one point, you know, just to tell us that, you know, why he did it. And there were, like, really lame reasons, you know, where he was like, my father didn't love me, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, things that you just... He had a bad therapist, they I guess. They seem abstract, right? They do things seem abstract, like, and didn't we didn't feel... let him off the hook, ever. We never yeah. left the, let that guy off the hook. And he just... My mom divorced him, we moved, and we never saw him again, you know? And I and I looked him up, and, you know, he's, he's still... 
he's out there in the world as a veterinarian and you wonder like did this guy was this guy able to fix himself you did know did he get the help he needed is I, he okay you yeah. know his after after this happened my mom had talked to his ex-wife and his ex-wife had told my mom that he had battled with depression for a very long time. He had been on medication. My mom was married to him for eight years and and did not know any of this. I mean, it's like you need to come with papers just to know like what you're, what you're dealing with. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't even know if (laughs) I, I, I was married and I married the same guy. You know, yeah. I married that same guy with the same profile. Yeah. And it's interesting how you end up in that same in that same situation and yeah. still not knowing how to handle my mom sadness says, and rage. Mm-hmm. My mom says that we work out the issues we didn't resolve with our parents, with our partners. Like oh. we pick someone that like like you know they say like oh you like marry a guy who's like your dad or something like that yeah so we like pick people that like ping all the like um all the positive things mm -hmm. that we like about them but also that like ah you have a hole in the same place (laughs) like (laughs) you are damaged in the same ways and you are going to like yeah you are going to maybe or or like our damages I'm gonna line up. Fix you because I way. couldn't fix what Yeah. Or know. I'm gonna work through this issue with you mm. because I couldn't work through it with my parent. Yeah. Mm. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean and you know, substitute parent with like other significant Yeah. Anybody, you know. But. And for me it's working on my empathy mm-hmm. on it because what my mom had had given us is like really tough skin. Yeah. And like a way that a single mother and only a single mother can is get through life with a sense of humor and with wit and with really strong ova. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and we we were able to survive and and we were able to you know it didn't yeah. it didn't define us what happened there and and we and my mother was an amazing survivor and we're survivors but it surviving isn't the same as like really understanding what someone else is going through. Right. You know, because you're dealing with survival. Right. Yeah, so. yeah. And so you're focused on your own survival and not necessarily like yeah. the survival it's a defensive of mechanism. the people with yeah. you. It's like if somebody with you proves that they yeah. are detrimental to your survival or not taking care of their own, it's mm-hmm. like, well, we can't. We can't include you then because you're just, you know. And now I'm in a healthy relationship and yeah. I feel like I'm – I can see that I'm offering way more empathy, yeah. not only to my partner, but to people around me. You yeah. know, I have more battery power. Ah, yes. There it is again. That battery <laughs> power thing, right? It's that like because you're in a healthy relationship, your needs are getting met and your energy and emotional yeah. restores or mm-hmm. uh, stores are, are being replenished. Yeah. Um, and... As a result, you have more that you're able to give to other people because you you know that like you have uh, you have somewhere to go and recharge your battery and when the world depletes it. Yeah, and it's, that's that's the full circle of it. Like if you have that, I guess the moral of the story is, you know, if if you do have that extra battery power. Right. You know, it's and this seems so trite, but it's so, so necessary. And I think that's what connected us to doing this radio show Mm -hmm. is to find ways to connect with people with 
with human interest stories, with like yeah. human stories about people being amazing people. And how are they amazing? They tell their story. Yeah. And and people that I approach even on the street. I mean, I've gotten into the habit of just paying compliments to complete strangers. Yeah. And I get such a serotonin boost from them being appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're not. But if I see that someone's having a bad day, mm-hmm. it's really – it. It makes me feel better knowing that I maybe made their day just a little bit better by saying, oh, my God, those are the cutest shoes ever. (laughs) I mean, and it's as simple as that. But you have no idea if they are, you know, at their lowest point and a cute shoe comment made them think something different. Yeah, maybe it was the only nice thing somebody said to them that day, which is incredibly sad. But possible you know I mean like it's you don't know where where they're at and and by the same token like you don't know where someone is uh, like I feel like we could all just stand to cut each other a little more slack too you know that's so true yeah you don't know what someone's day has been like and if like if you're like if your barista is like that bitchy waitress with you (laughs) today um like that's okay maybe you know like Mm -hmm. maybe don't take it so personally um, or judge. Yeah, or judge and just sort of shrug it off and, and maybe like even try to be nice to her because <sighs> you just don't know what kind of day she's had. And yeah. like, you know, by the same token of like saying something really nice to someone could be the only nice thing they mm-hmm. hear that day. Like saying something really unkind to someone could also be, you know, like the last straw for them that day. Yeah. Um, and we're not telling you guys anything you don't already know. We have a great batch of... We have, we have a, a great batch of listeners. You guys are I don't know if you saw you on our message board. People. I did. Um, <laughs> if I'm you so guys glad you guys go, are showing up for the message board still, by the yeah, way. <laughs> even if it's just even if it's just a small bunch, it's just nice knowing. Um, radio is a very isolating thing where it's like we're here in this room and we hope that we're connecting with some of you. Um, but we don't know. We don't know at all. And uh, it's it's like a field sport, right? Yeah. You're on on your own. But there's there's been a yeah. few of you that have visited, and we'll give you the the URL here, mm-hmm. wfmu.org/slash/playlists/slash/il, as in in real life. In life. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, send us some comments, and maybe uh, you know, let us know. Let us know how you're doing yeah. out there. Uh, we're also we're also on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. I have an Instagram now. <gasps> you have an Instagram. I just now? got one. I'm doing a really bad job of it. I have one picture up, and it's just the profile picture they require that you submit to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't posted anything else yet. That's my Instagram. Uh, it's but my I favorite use it to medium. follow you and um, and Joel. Joel um, Saint Germain. Yes. Mm. Um, and other people, I got to see my sister's like Bonnaroo trip uh, because of Instagram. It's kind of cool. That I'm is cool. It. I like the pictures medium. I don't even know what my profile name is. Oh, it's I R L Kimzilla. Oh. So find me on Instagram. I don't know what mine is. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, but you can probably find me through through Kim. Probably. <laughs> oh yeah. well. This was cathartic. It I'm felt glad. Good. I, I think it did, too. I'm glad that we got to process this. You know, the day that I found out, you know, I was getting ready to go for my hike. The day that I found out about Anthony Bourdain's suicide, I went on my hike. 
took beer with me (laughs) and uh, walked up to the top of that mountain and um, said some words and and poured one out for the guy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. That felt like a good thing to do. Yeah. This one's definitely for Anthony. Yeah. For Tony. For Tony. Mm. Well, we'll see you next week, lifers. Yeah. Hang in there. Be strong. Be nice to each other. And avoid terrible news. We love you. We love you.